Hello, and welcome to The Artist Pivot, a weekly conversation with artists about their current pivot, past pivots, and every pivot in between. I am your host, Ayana Major Bay, an actress who wants to educate, empower, and celebrate artists so they have no option but to thrive. On this episode, I am joined by the multi-hyphenated Ned Donovan. He is a content creator whose background covers a wide range of skill and experience, including acting, singing, fight direction, stunt performance and coordination, audio editing, video editing, writing for all mediums, and more. Currently, Ned is an actor on, co-producer of, and the audio engineer for Encounter Party, a hit story-focused actual play podcast governed by the rules of Dungeons & Dragons and featuring six professional voice actors playing a campaign set inside the Magic L, the gathering realm of Ravnica. In the last five years, Ned has produced seven total albums of music, two seasons of an award-winning rock musical web series, four original podcasts, and co-produced the fifth for Radiotopia, and a plethora of music videos and live music series. In addition to his life as a content creator, Ned holds a BFA in musical theater from Ithaca College and has spent the majority of his career performing on stages all over the USA and on screens in nationally and internationally syndicated films and TV programming. We discuss how traumatic things in his life forced him to pivot, how these involuntary pivots were actually setting him up for future success in our current landscape, and that even if you're not currently an actor, you are still a creator. Here's our conversation. All right, y'all. So with me today, I have Mr. Ned Donovan. Hey, Ned, how are you doing? Oh, hey, I'm I'm doing all right. It's uh, 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 I don't know what days you release things, but it's it's currently Wednesday, right? So it's almost the end of the day. That's good. Yeah. Yes, it is currently Wednesday. And luckily, I released my podcast on Wednesday. So oh, this one nailed it. Up. Well, happy Wednesday, peeps. <laughs> yes, happy Wednesday, y'all. <laughs> and so, Ned, throughout the season, I've been asking everybody kind of a specific question because, you know, how are you is so general. So I ask, how is your soul feeling today? And have you had enough water? Like, I really want to know, like, how your hydration levels. All right. We'll start with number one. Uh, My soul is a little torn today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am a little uh, pulled in a few too many directions, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll get into. And I've Mm -hmm. been having some trouble recently keeping all of the plates spinning. Okay. And I'm in a time right now where, like, everything needs to keep spinning. Like, there's no superfluous plate. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. been really um, draining. So my soul is a little drained right now. However, mm-hmm. the weather's turning. Yes. Uh, and because the weather's turning, I've been able to like go for runs and it's not 12 degrees outside. And mm-hmm. that has helped my soul kind of recalibrate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In terms of water, uh, I have drank a pot of coffee today and one <laughs> glass of water. So I'm remarkably dehydrated. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Those are honest answers. And that's what I wanted. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. (laughs) Where's your hydration level at? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking. I think you're the first person who who has asked me that question back. How um, dare they? Um, I have had, oof, I'm not doing good today, to be honest with my hydration. I've probably had about half a bottle of water. Sure. And it's my fault because I went to Home Goods. Oh, so yeah. That'll I was happen. in Home Goods for a couple hours and I was like, oh, I haven't had any water. 
And then I just made myself a cup of coffee before coming on with you. So instead of having oh, the water, man. I made coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you took it and you made it worse. I get that. Yes. I, that's yep. kind of like my whole vibe. Uh, yes. People at home, this is not healthy. Don't do don't, that. Don't do that. Drink water. If, when, you need, when you need water, don't make coffee instead. Drink the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, but that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Um, so I'm so excited to have you on and... Uh, for you joining me today. And oh, there's a lot. I made, you know, I like I said, I make my little post-it notes before the the interview so that I have some points to talk about. And I know that for you, 2020 was kind of the opposite, if you will, from from a lot of people. So you know how as artists, we're kind of pivoting out of our particular industries. Sure. You, on the other hand, you're like, oh, y'all, I pivoted years ago. Yeah. And 2020 Welcome is kind of to my me. world, gang. I've been right. saying that to so many of my fellow artists who are like, right. how did you do it? And I'll be like, oh, let's talk about trauma. Right. Right. I mean, yes, yes. We And we talked about this prior. Yeah, there are some things, traumatic things that happened in your life that did lead you to pivots. And so I want you to take take us back. Take us back to when those pivots started to happen. I know you were a musical theater performer and True. then life started to started to unfold. Yeah. So, uh, you know, gang, it's it's exciting to talk on this show specifically because I am an artist. I, I trained in musical theater. I worked in musical theater for most of my career and, and I made my living as a musical theater actor. And then um, that lasted right up until the summer of 2015. So mm-hmm. we're coming up on six years ago. Uh, I got my equity card, and as happens to many of us, I got my equity card and immediately stopped working um, because I started auditioning against people with Broadway credits. I mean, right? Like, that's the step you take. You go from auditioning against fellow non-union actors to people who have a resume you can't compete with, and it's time to kind of start over. And while I was doing that process, I was able to kind of backdoor my way into a project that was in development by a pretty major company. And... What ended up happening was I was the lead in this new musical in development and they weren't paying me on retainer, but they kind of made it clear that if I took a job and they wanted to do a reading and I wasn't available, they'd replace me. Like they managed to like scare me into not auditioning. And, um, and so I was so afraid of losing this opportunity that I like stopped doing anything. And that really like crushed my soul because I ended up just auditioning for like, industrials and day gigs and things that like weren't the kind of creative work I'd been doing for the entirety of my career up until then. And so, um, you know, right around 2015 in the fall, a friend of mine was going through something very similar with his job, but he was a composer for television. And like, he was having troubles where he didn't feel creatively stimulated and he was an artist and he wanted to be an artist. And we decided to join forces and make an album uh, just to do something. And that album was going to be 10 show tunes from 1960 or earlier, but rewritten for today's radio. And we started working with some, some really cool talent. And we started working with some songwriters to do the arrangements. And we were, having a great time and then fast forward to uh uh well i guess you know and right around that same time you know my father had been diagnosed with a very rare form of leukemia back in Mm -hmm. 2014 Mm -hmm. and um he had to get a shot twice a month to keep it at bay like not chemo but something 
else, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't your normal leukemia. And so unlike normal leukemia, his leukemia was utterly treatable, but mm-hmm. not curable. The way okay. that like, you know, leukemia, you kind of hit it really hard and hope for the best. His was just kind of keep it at bay. And he was in a car accident and he missed one of those shots. Mm-hmm. And um, he was in the hospital like three weeks later. And so at the very beginning of 2016, you know, he was in the hospital. He'd been in there for a couple weeks. It was going to turn into five, six weeks in the hospital. I was working in a restaurant. I wasn't auditioning. I was kind of miserable. And um, I got a call from the hospital being like, hey, when are you next coming out here? And I was like, oh, you know, I was going to come out this weekend. I was going to catch a bus. And they're like, cool. And I was like, hey, does, are you trying to tell me that I should get out there sooner? And they were mm-hmm. like, if you could be here very soon, that would be good. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had an audition the next morning, and I, I auditioned for um, a production at Pioneer out in Utah. And um, uh, shout out to Bob Klein. Bob Klein, I, I went hey, to him and yes, said, Bob like, Klein. hey, Bob, uh, I have to go first. My dad's very sick, and I need to get out of here. And he he very graciously let me do that. Like, he very graciously uh, let me go first so that I could get on a bus. And um, I got out to Pennsylvania where my dad was sick and I had just brought a backpack, right? Like a backpack with a change of clothes. Mm-hmm. And I ended up talking to the doctor and they, they you know, told me that my dad was far more sick than, it, than I had really understood. And they thought it might be time to stop treatment. And I had a, a, a call with um, a call. I, I'm so used to, to remote these days. <laughs> right. uh, I went and talked to my dad and um, after kind of hearing his opinions on it, and then we had a meeting with his doctors the next morning and the head doctor was like, hey, he, he's not going to get better from this. And if we keep trying to treat it, he's going to be in excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. And so my brother and I decided that, you know, we were going to take my dad off life support and let him pass peacefully. And that meant that that night, you know, I, I had arrived with a backpack and was sleeping on a couch. And I basically had to make the decision that I was going to be moving to Pennsylvania to take care of my dad's estate. Okay. And so I went from, you know, having a job, a couple of jobs, one in a restaurant, one at a law firm and, and auditioning and all of that to like living alone in a house in Pennsylvania, like filling out forms and selling stuff and doing all of that. And, um, it was one week after my dad's funeral that they found a massive tumor in my mom's gut. And so like while I'm taking care of my dad's estate, like mm-hmm. my brother is in Maine helping my mom like go to treatments and chemo and surgeries mm-hmm. and things like that. And so then, you know, I got back to New York after six months of doing estate stuff and um, found out I needed throat surgery. So then, like, I went back on the shelf and couldn't audition. And I was, um, I had bought a car and I was working in New York and I was driving to Pennsylvania to take care of estate stuff. And I was driving to Maine to help mom with treatments. And I wasn't allowed to talk for like three and a half months, which, if you can't tell right now, is excruciating for me. (laughs) Uh, And right, um, Right as my mom, I mean, sorry, right as my throat was cleared good to audition again, which was like end of January 2017, so I'd lost a whole year of auditioning, um, my mother was declared terminal. Mm -hmm. And so it was literally like two days later, like I had one audition and then 
had to pack everything into my car again, and I moved to Maine to take care of my mom for as long as she was going to be alive. Mm-hmm. And while I was driving to Maine, I got a call that would have been the like largest opportunity of my career. I got a casting that like would have changed the shape of of my career as an actor, and I had to turn it down. Mm-hmm. And that kind of broke me a little bit. And um, you know, I uh, uh, I moved to Maine, and I took care of mom until she passed away in May of 2017. And now I was a year and a half out of auditioning and kind of being involved in the industry. And I had a, um, you know, I had my throat surgery and that really took me out of the game. And, uh, uh, I got a call that was like, Hey, we have a couple callbacks we'd like to see you for, for a couple big name projects. And I was like, yeah. And they were really nice. They had seen that my mom had died. They were like, Hey, like, don't come if you're not, if you don't want to, like, no, no worries. And I was like, no, 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 I, I'd like to come and just see what's going on. And I gave like two of the worst auditions I've ever given in my life. And then it was just one of those real moments of crystal clarity that was like, oh, you don't want to be doing this right now. Uh-huh, and I uh-huh. packed myself back into my car and I moved back to Maine and I rented a house in the middle of the woods and I just lived there kind of doing stuff. And now, you know, that's the sad part of the story. But the simple fact is it all goes back to that album I talked about at the beginning because I released that album right after my dad died. We had basically finished okay. recording when he went into the hospital. Okay, And so that album ended up doing really well and working on it was what kind of kept me sane mm-hmm. during the process and it mm-hmm. was right after that that you know I I was a musical theater performer and a stunt performer and oh. someone I knew through the stunt world um called me being like hey I heard your album. It's really good. I have this web series that we've always wanted to make a musical spinoff of. Would you have any interest in doing it with your team? And so right after that album came out, I started writing scripts really for the first time. And I put together this musical web series that's an action comedy rock musical about New York City vampire slayers. And like that ended up being really soul fulfilling and let me stay creative despite not being able to like perform. Mm -hmm. And after that, I, you know, I I started putting together my first podcast. And then I, you know, I was, I was making the second season of this web series. And what ended up happening is I went in and, you know, as my career as an actor came to a huge halt, I pivoted into making sure I got to stay creative and Mm. I started making art as a way to like stay sane in the face of all of this kind of death and trauma I was going through. And I came out the other side of that and I had more opportunities as a creator than I did as an actor. And Mm -hmm. I decided like, why not see what that is. And, and I don't know if you knew this, but those things are very expensive if you're going to fund them yourself. Uh, yes, yes. They're very expensive. How's your podcast? <laughs> Cause mine are broke. And, um, <laughs> and we, what ended up happening was I realized if I wanted to go back to acting right then, I was going to have to stop all this creating because I wasn't going to be able to afford the things that I was having to afford to pull off the level of creation that I was. So I made a very specific choice to take all these skill sets that I'd amassed over the years. You know, when I was um, in musical theater, I decided to avoid 
restaurants and bars because the hours were bad. So I started working in social media management and website design. And I started doing a little bit of like press release writing for businesses. And I built these like side careers that were all from my computer so that if I got a job at a theater that could only pay me 200 bucks a week, I could afford to take it because I could work all night and like get a Mm -hmm. normal paycheck at the same time. And um, I decided to kind of take all of these skills I'd amassed from my writing skills to these editing skills I'd had to learn for these things I'd been making and just put them all together into a package and go look for like a salaried job that would pay me enough money that I could afford producing these projects and I could uh, have enough flexibility that I could do them. And that meant kind of saying like for now and for the foreseeable future, I can't be a theater performer because you don't get that kind of flexibility when you're doing theater. But like maybe I pivot into voiceover or a little bit of like I audition for commercials and TV film because I can get a day here or a day there. And um, that was kind of the biggest pivot to where I am today. Fast forward, you know, I made that decision in, November of 2017. And that led me to, uh, a, I, I drove a yellow cab around New York city for a little while. What? And I, yeah, I can't believe, I can't believe that. it was great. It was a great job and, uh, it paid really well and the hours are terrible and I don't recommend anyone do it. Um, <laughs> and then I got hired through a temp agency at a cryptocurrency startup. And Mm -hmm. I started working in tech and doing work as like an office manager and an executive assistant. And I started building out, like I got assigned to write the documentation for the software. So all of a sudden I had this new skill and that, you know, led me to (laughs) that company ended up getting shut down by the FBI because uh, the head of the company turned out to be an Israeli Canadian felon operating under a fake name. Oh, great. Just want everything you want from that life Uh experience. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, they paid me well, but the story's way better. And uh, but that led me now to I'm an executive assistant at a software company. I've been Mm -hmm. there for a couple years. They give me the flexibility to produce my own project. And and I sort of pivoted from being a full-time musical theater actor Mm -hmm. to kind of being this hybrid script writer, post-production supervisor, tech entrepreneur executive assistant that I find myself to be today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the full pivot in a, what, 20-minute nutshell? (laughs) Yes, yes. And I'm here for it. I'm here (laughs) for it. Yes. Give me me all of the pivots. And something that really caught me that you said was, okay, I can't be an actor, but I can still be a creator. Yeah. And that, I was like, oh, yes, yes. Like, you took the involuntary pivots you had to make and the trauma from both of your parents dying into voluntary pivots that you were like, okay, I can't do this, but what else fills my soul? Oh, I can be a creator. Oh, I want to do a podcast. Oh, what about a web series? Oh, what about an album? Or what about this? Because just because you're not an actor at the moment doesn't mean you're not a creator. I mean, it's so interesting, right? We're taught at all of these training programs to be like, remember, you're a storyteller. Uh-huh. And you're like, is that true? Because <laughs> actors are basically told if they're doing anything else, they're bad actors. Like right, I yes, used to, yes. uh, it drives me insane. Mm-hmm. I was a fight director and a stunt coordinator and I did yeah. like stunts for, for projects. And I went into an audition 
for a, a show with a casting director who shall remain nameless. And they were like, oh, Ned, it's really good to see you. I thought you'd left acting. And I was like, why? What? And they were like, well, you're doing the fight thing now. And I was like, I can contain multitudes, man. Right. Um, and like, additionally, like I went to an audition for a pretty major Shakespeare company. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they were doing, their season was like, was like Romeo and Juliet. I'm making this up. I don't remember anymore. But it was like Romeo and Juliet, Midsummer Night's Dream, like Richard Third, and Into the Woods. It was like a bunch of young, male-heavy, sword-fighting shows mm-hmm. and a musical. Mm-hmm. And my BFA in musical theater with a with a many Shakespeare leads on my resume from professional companies and like a sword-fighting career was like, oh my God, I'm going to book this. Right. And I went to that audition and I came into the room and they were really nice and they shook my hand and I was like over at the piano going through my music and the guy was like, hey, Ned, can I ask you a question? I've been meaning to ask other people and I just keep forgetting. And I was like, totally. And he was like, why are you here? And I was like, what? what? And he was like, why are you at this audition? And I was like, right, your casting call says, especially seeking non-union young men with Shakespeare experience, sword fighting experience, and musical theater experience. Like, I'm non-union. I've played leads at equity houses in Shakespeare productions. I am a professional fight director specializing in swords and I have a BFA in musical theater. And he was like, right. You're like a musical theater guy. Who's like done some Shakespeare. And I oh, was like, Oh, 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 I hate that. Oh, ooh, that <laughs> like, burns my soul. Oh God, it killed me. But like that to me is the dichotomy of what we talk about for the, the, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? I, for the yeah. absolute <laughs> belonky yeah, that uh-huh. we are required to go through in this, universe where like actors can only be actors and if they're not just actors then they're failing right and like that is instilled in us when we are told you're storytellers you should know and want to do everything which is terrible to Mm -hmm. how the industry actually treats us when we get out there so for me when i was like hey i can't be an actor something that i've had the privilege of instilling in myself from the very beginning is like acting is just one way I express myself creatively. And I happen Mm -hmm. to be dang good at it. And Mm -hmm. I went, cool. That mode of expression is blocked, but that in no way means I'm not allowed to express myself creatively in other ways. And, you know, I had always been a singer and I had always been a, like I made movies in college and I, you know, did choruses and acapella groups in in uh in uh, high school and it was like i can still be more things than i hate just it's my least favorite four letter word but then like just an actor mm-hmm. and and that was a a revelation that i have been trying to hopefully impart on people in this pandemic is like we are we are storytellers we are creators we are creative people and we happen to be well trained to interpret that creative energy into acting but that doesn't mean it's the only outlet we're required to have if we want to be creative right exactly 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 <laughs> and i think and I, I think and i hope and i wish and i you know, want to affirm that everybody, it's, you know, as artists, we can be creative in so many ways. And like you said, to to go, okay, yeah, that avenue of being an actor may be blocked, 
And that's okay. I have so many other avenues that I can go down to be creative. And it's okay because yes, Ned, we I ooh, I can remember leaving school and felt that if I don't pursue musical theater and that's it, if I even think about having another interest, I'm failing. Sure. And it's just it's mind-boggling how you know, I mean luckily we we survived that that mindset, but it's like no, you are a creative person, so you're automatically going to like other things and other avenues. And so I would ask you, what would be some advice you would give to artists who are not comfortable being multi-hyphenated yet? Yeah. Um, my first thing, and this is something I think theater people especially are unbelievably bad at. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. I love us all dearly, but we're bad at this. And the thing that we're bad at is scale of success. Mm. Like, like in theater, because so many of us are unemployed all the time, yep. that when anyone is employed in any capacity, it makes them feel like an unbelievable success story. And that may be true, mm-hmm. right? But then the problem is that it becomes anyone who is air quotes making theater in any way is a success, right? Mm, and yeah. so like they're able to say like, I'm employed, I got this paycheck, I got this show, I got this review, whatever it is, they can point to it. And pretty much exclusively in theater, if you're doing the thing That's a success. Mm -hmm. And what's hard for people who are used to that being the thing, hard for us to hear actors, we are not the thing that make theater. We Mm -hmm. are the vehicle by which people who make theater express the theater they make. Directors or producers or choreographers, whoever they are, they are using us as a vessel. But if you are making your own work, you are not again, word I hate, just an actor. You're Mm -hmm. a producer or a writer. You are doing something else other than the act of acting. And what's hard is when people aren't comfortable being multi-hyphenated, that means they are used to other people giving them either the permission or the space to make art. Mm -hmm. And that does not exist in almost any other medium. Like, Any other medium is totally creatable Mm -hmm. without anybody else Mm -hmm. if you have the like either the capacity or the foresight or the whatever. But in doing so, what I think ends up happening is someone timidly makes something. Someone who's like, I can't do theater right now, so I'm going to make a song. Mm -hmm. And you know what happens? That song doesn't do well by anyone's metrics. And because the metric of theater is binary, yes, I am successful, or man, I wish I was hired, that when you are out of the man, I wish I was hired phase, if you're in the I released a song phase, Mm -hmm. there's no understanding of success scale. So everything feels like a failure unless your movie goes to Sundance. Like There is a problem of understanding that it is just amazing to make something because our art form is related on people receiving it a la a casting director, an audience, a reviewer, whatever. And so like, if you, you know, I talk to people all the time who are like, I spent three months making a movie and 30 people have watched it and I feel like a failure. And the answer is like, 
I spent three months making a theater show that like had a 20 person attendance rate. That is Mm -hmm. just as bad, but I never considered that a failure. And Mm -hmm. that's like something we don't have in our brains. (laughs) Right. right. Is like understanding what it means to like air quote, start small, Mm -hmm. Uh how to figure it out. Like we, we, it's really hard for someone to understand that if they spent their whole life doing one thing creative, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to nail it right off the bat at something else. And mm-hmm. that's wild to me because like, I have never been one to think that because I'm a heck of an actor, I'm going to know how to draw. But like, <laughs> right. that is how people think about things sometimes. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I am a very successful creative. Therefore, I'm going to go be creative in this other way and expect the same level of success or the same scale by which I judge my successes. And finding mm-hmm. how to interpret success in a new medium requires interacting with people in that medium and talking to people. Like, we all got trained in theater. So mm-hmm. we know what it feels like to be good at theater, but like none of us got trained in podcasting. So mostly we're just like winging it and hoping that like we do our best. And the only way we get to understand (laughs) if we're doing well or not is by talking to other podcasters and becoming part of that community. And that is the thing that I think when artists are trying to pivot, um, the harsh reality that I say to people a lot is like, I don't owe you my time because you did something. Mm-hmm. So when someone's like, listen to my podcast, I made it. I'm like, why? And they're like, cause I made it. And I'll be like, I don't have time for that. And that's something that I think is really hard for artists to like get past mm-hmm. is like, you have to find a reason for people to consume the art you make and that will give your art meaning. And the meaning yes. can't be, I feel creatively stifled and I hope someone will help validate my creativity because they won't and it will hurt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Because even when you said that with the time, that makes me think of like, yes, we're validated in theater by the audience who has yeah. taken the time. They have bought the ticket. We know they want to see the show. Correct. And they have taken the time to see this. So we are validated by, oh, great. The audience, they gave us a standing ovation. They love it. But like you said, if someone's like, hey, listen to my podcast. And you're like, but I don't have to. Oh, but I made it. Okay, but. Cool. I'm very proud cool. of you. I'm happy and for you. I love that. I'm so right. proud of you. I'm not going to listen. <laughs> Right, right. You're right. We don't know how to wait, but wait, I because theater automatically gives us that validation when we have an audience because we know they wanted to see us, and because someone else is in charge of marketing. Like again, that too, that too. (laughs) Again, like you just if you want to be a multi hyphenate, a bunch of those multis have to be taking the time to figure out how to release your stuff in a way that people consume it. Because making something is not enough, and in a time when we want that validation, not having the presence of mind to know that is going to hurt you. Like you're going to be hurt and Mm -hmm. that's worse. Like your art should never hurt you. Therefore you need to have proper scale understandings. Right. Right. Oh, that was, yes. I love that. Your art should never hurt you. That's that's great. Oh, also I say like, so if you, hey, hey, artists, if you're looking to make something, my rule is you have to set a goal. I do this with podcasting mostly Uh like, and your goal cannot be predicated on the anything on the actions of other people. So your goal can't be, I want to have 600 listeners by the end of six months. That Mm -hmm. can't be your goal because that requires 600 people Mm -hmm. to take an action you can't control. Right. And therefore, when it doesn't happen, you'll feel like a failure, even if you are an abject success in every creative 
aspect of this field. Mm-hmm. And so your your thing has to be like, I want to make my the amount of time it takes me to edit an episode reduced by half. Mm-hmm. Done. That is a very achievable goal. And yes. at six months, you can look at it because then when you get to say something that artists are really bad at as well when they're making their own art is having a conversation about if they need to keep making this art or if they have a new idea and they want to do it. So my mm-hmm. thing is like set a goal. I want to edit episodes faster. How much faster? Twice as fast. Cool. Time yourself. After six months, check your timer. Oh my God, it's twice as fast. You've achieved your goal. The next question becomes, cool, is it time to move on to a new project? Like it doesn't have to be, how do I make this the project that sets up my income for the rest of my life? Like you're allowed to make projects for the sake of personal fulfillment and personal betterment. And when you have achieved those goals, go like, you know, there's this other idea I've been thinking about doing. Cool, stop the one project, go make the new project, set a new goal that has no relation to the actions of other people and see where you end up. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I love it. I love it. And that's how you have been able to make all these pivots. That's exactly it. It's like I I do. I wish more people listened to my podcasts or watched my movies. Sure. And does it like bother me when I look at the statistics and feel sad? Absolutely. But those weren't my goals. So I don't Mm -hmm. feel like a failure. I just feel Mm -hmm. like I haven't like marketed myself right. I still feel like a success because my goal, you know, the goal for the first series of my web series was like, don't feel sad because your dad died. And guess what? I didn't. And it was great. And mm-hmm. then like the show wasn't as successful as we wanted. So the second season, the goal was like, film the show the way we wished we'd filmed season one. Like mm-hmm. take all the things we learned from the production of season one and fix them for season two. And right. guess what? It made a way better project and like that way better project won awards all over the world. And that led me to interviews with companies like Netflix and ABC and the CW. Did I get those jobs? No, I'm still, you know, an executive assistant at a software company. But like it, my goal was never go get interviewed by Netflix. It was make a better project. And that better project led me to a bigger audience, which led me to Netflix. And so you just can't put your stuff on the actions of other people. Get an agent, not a good goal because that requires the agent to say yes. Interview with an agent, maybe, but that requires the interview to accept your submission. But like create a better package that I'm proud of. Absolutely, you can control that. And if the agent- that's probably going to be a package the agent opens. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What What's in your control yes. is what your goals should be focused or made around. Absolutely. And the other thing I always say is like, try not to make things alone, which is like funny. Sorry, I know you're, you're doing a podcast solo, but like, <laughs> like I am not successful when I only make a project by myself. As mm-hmm. soon as I bring in a second person for any reason, editor, co-producer, composer, whoever it is that I partner up with, I immediately have someone to be accountable that's not myself, which Mm -hmm. means I'm not going to just like go put on socks and sit on the couch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I now have an editor for my second season because the first season I was drowning. Dying. Drowning. I was dying doing all of this myself. So now I do have an editor. Shout out. Hi, Kieran. How are you? What up, Kieran? Um, (laughs) Enjoy that burp I gave you. Yes. (laughs) And I also have an accountability partner. Oh, sweet. She's amazing as well. So those are the two people that kind of keep me on my toes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But I understand if you're not if you're not accountable to at least like even to Kieran, there's certain days I got to get him things like period like I can't sit on the couch like you said like he's gonna be like but Ayana 
I have to edit it and then I have to get it back to you. So like you can't drag your feet. You can't drag your feet because I'll miss my deadlines and that's not fair. Exactly. 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 Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. So I understand that. I understand. So that's that's kind of like my biggest my my big recommendations to people looking to pivot are like if you have been a successful theater artist, please understand that at one point you were starting out and in this new medium you are also starting out. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to make things that don't feel like the things that professionals of 30 years release because like you're still learning and that's okay. And it's also okay that like you don't get a million downloads in a month. Like right it's just you have to be okay with making art that you're proud of and trusting that that means that other people will want to consume it. Right, yes. Because if you're proud of it and it's coming from your heart, people will connect to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. People will connect And to I it. make weird art. I think, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure, I know this is true because I put it into Clubhouse, but I'm pretty sure I wrote it first in like a dating profile app that I didn't mm-hmm. know what I wanted to write. But like what I wrote was, uh, I make weird art and I like cheese. That's probably about it. And like, that's <laughs> how I feel. Like I make weird art and like I, I, my weird art means that it has an audience of like six people. Like I'm not making how I met your mother with its millions of fans. Like I'm making an action comedy, rock musical mockumentary about New York city vampire slayers. Like that's an audience of five and all of them are me and I love it. So that's <laughs> fine for me. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, yes. I love it. I love it. Oh, Ned, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your pivots and and everything. And But before I let you go, um, you know, with yeah. all of these projects that you have going on, let everybody know where they can find you and on the YouTubes, on the Instagrams, on all of it. <laughs> yeah. So I am at Ned Donovan, N-E-D-D-O-N-O-V-A-N. Pretty much everywhere you could look. There's another Ned Donovan who's a pretty famous British journalist, but I got to the internet a little before he did. So (laughs) I have all the like OG handles and he's kind of mad about it. Um, (laughs) I, as a creator, can be found through my production company, Charging Moose Media. You can find all of our stuff at chargingmoosemedia.com. If you are a podcast fan, I have two podcasts, At the Table, a play reading series. We produce new plays from emerging playwrights as audio dramas with uh, theater and Broadway actors. And then Encounter Party is my current flagship show. We are six professional voice actors battling through an epic Dungeons & Dragons campaign that's written by a novelist and playwright, then heavily edited to focus the listener experience on story and deliver you pure adventure in under an hour episodes. You can also find my web series, The Hunted Encore, at thehuntedencore.com. And if you want to find out about any of my other things, including the albums that I talked about on this, I don't know, uh, find me on social media. I'll send you a link or five. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah. You know, and but before I let you go, okay. um, there's something that I must say to you. Great. Hit and me. that is, I acknowledge you. I celebrate you. And I uplift you. Hey, thanks. That's really nice. You're very welcome. I appreciate You're very that. welcome. Yes. <laughs> Ned, thank you so much for sharing. As you said in our conversation, just is a word when referring to our creativity that should no longer be used. I say take the word out of your artistic vocabulary. We as artists can be multi-hyphenated, are multi-hyphenated, and we should celebrate that. 
I hope that all artists from now on will be as multi-hyphenated as their imagination will let them be. Thanks again, Ned. And thank you for tuning in. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you.